Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. We careen towards the end of the year, and today we are covering a film that IMDb has in the top 10 of all time. You heard me correctly. It's Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's Coupe de Grasse. I don't know what that means. I'm excited about the show. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. When you weren't here, Marissa did the haha. She did. She did it. Well, I heard she also tried to do the pitch, but I, I guess she did I didn't the tiger get to the girl. episode. She killed it on both accounts. I was really, really impressed. Really proud of her. What's up, everybody? It's 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 action movie anatomy. We're back. We're, We're back. here. It's Thursday. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Big stuff. Getting towards the end of the year. Just we got we got jet lag. Living got, walking jet I'm, lag over I'm here. I'm literally the living definition of jet lag right now. But I'm here and I'm alive and we're talking Pulp Fiction. I'm feeling good. Yeah, happy to be back. I watched <laughs> I watched both the episodes. Uh, I guess I just didn't tune into the the very end of the pitch with Marissa uh, doing yeah, I the think growl. She yeah, with the Kevin and Marissa it was it was terrific. Uh, this is Marissa Serafini we're referring to. She's actually up in the booth today, Marissa. Which how are you? Which is not above us. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome back, Andrew. Yeah, I, I someone had to do it because Andrew wasn't there. No, so, it was it was really impressive. The uh, the haha was it did it for me. <laughs> thank you. The I ha-ha. tried. I tried. That was Ben's fist pump moment yeah, of the episode. That was my fist pump moment. Uh, guys, it's action movie anatomy. We're here. We're talking uh, Pulp Fiction. We talk action movies on this show here on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related, as well as pop culture by the bucketful. Would we have ever covered Pulp Fiction? by the original definition of the rules, because no. we're about to go through them. I, I 100% believe that no, or else we would have covered it already, right? Like, we've done almost three years of shows. This movie is... We love this movie. It is yeah. so widely adored, and yeah. I feel like we would have 100% just covered it if it if it felt like... Because it doesn't feel like one of our classic movies. It, yeah, it's... I, but it is pretty action-y. It has a lot of... Like, it definitely has a lot of violence. It yeah, has a there's lot of tension, like, and, you yeah, know... There's, like, lots of shooting. It's, like... There's Hitman. I mean, it's pretty action-y. It's, I guess it's more crime than it's action. Yeah. But it still does have a lot of things. So the rules on action movie anatomy that we usually, you know, our, our movies that we cover tend to adhere to four basic rules. You know, rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. If you had to pick, is there a hero? Is there a hero? I think it's got to be Willis. He's got to be, because he's the only guy that plays by his own rules. He's, like, out on his own. He's, he's going up against the bigger force, the entity in Marcellus Wallace. I think he's my least favorite character in the whole movie. Really? I think so. Just because... Why? I don't know. We'll talk about it a little more. We'll probably do some funny stuff with Star Profiles today, guys. Maybe extend it a little, because obviously it's a huge cast. They're all very important, and they were all at uh, very significant moments in their career. So, um, But maybe he's the hero. I mean, I think you could also kind of say Vincent in some way. Nothing like having a, an Asian mother. He's yeah. like, why isn't this show alive at two? Yeah. <laughs> like, Still keep me in check, Mom. Thank you. I wasn't you. already sweating. I'm now sweating. <laughs> yes. Um, I, think, you know, I think you could sort of make an argument for a bunch of the characters. I think, I think like... Jules, you can make an argument that he's the hero because he's pretty awesome and he's like the guy that like comes to light, comes to the light at the end. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's Willis. I mean, he's sort Vega, of... it's tougher to be Vega just because he dies so soon. Yeah, right. I mean, in the context of the actual story, is does he die soon? I guess he dies. He's about halfway through, a little over around like a little over halfway, I guess. Well, I guess in the context of the story, it's after. Wait, how does that even work? It's after he dances. Because he sees... Because Vincent's in the, like, he's in the, t-shirt when he sees him at the bar when he's willing... He's agreeing to take the fall. Right. But then he kills him because they're, it's because he doesn't take the fall. Right? So they get sent to his house. Yeah, but so that so I guess that's the, that's the last... <laughs> we have seen this movie. So I guess in sequence, though, that's the last thing that happens? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not... I, I guess it just doesn't feel like he's... Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's still kind of in the middle of the movie when he it's dies. It's hard to explain it, but... For some reason, because I was telling you this earlier, <clears throat> well, why, why don't we just why don't we just jump into our thesis statements? I think that'll actually be. All well, right, well, we got to do the, the, rules. the rules. Trailer, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long time since I've been here. Uh, yeah, the hero always plays by their own rules, depending on who the hero is. If it is Willis, which I think is a strong argument, then he does. Willis does play exactly. He's a hundred percent plays by his own rules. Rule number two: mm-hmm. the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Again, it's so hard to even determine who the villain is. Maybe it's Marcellus Wallace. I'm not really sure. Is it just the creepy dude? At the end, yeah, yeah it's maybe. gotta be said. Rule number three: the movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. There are a lot of like criminals, a lot of mercenaries. The two hitmen are the opening. Yeah, that's fair. Characters, yeah, they do feel like they are what drive the movie. Jules and Vincent, yeah, and I think maybe that's why it's hard 
excuse me, it's like hard to stay latched on to one person because yeah. it just moves so much. Right. And, and like who you care about, who's the center of attention, who you think the main character. I mean, like when Mia Wallace comes in. Yeah. You feel like she's going to be a big part of the movie. Yep. Right? For a long time. But she really just has kind of her moment. And then she's gone. Yep. So, um, I guess Marcellus is the villain. Zed's the villain. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the basis the basis of the idea that there's a hero and a villain in this movie doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, and rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's not really an explosion. There's there's a car crashes and shooting, but there's explosion not like a heroin. Yeah, that's a crazy scene. <laughs> Adrenaline. Um, so I think from that point of view, it definitely kind of misses. It doesn't yeah. really quite hit the rules. Um, we are going to get into all of the things that you guys know and love today on the show. Quick Patreon shout out: we've got. <laughs> I'm back, Ava. <laughs> Meggie S.E., Sue Meggie, and Emmanuel Steinberg. Ava, I am so sorry. Ava, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say your name. At least Ben did it, because I would have, been, I would have done it worse. Yeah. Somehow, you are much better at pronouncing difficult names than I am. Is that a thing? It's should a you thing be better? I should be better at it, because I'm, I'm now worldly. <laughs> I've traveled. <laughs> Andrew's back from Tokyo. He was in Tokyo. <laughs> I was in Tokyo. I'm in the live chat, too, guys. I see that you're in here. You're all chatting. I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up with it. I can't read anymore. I'm drawing stars. Um, <laughs> I'm drawing stars. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, guys, that's, that's kind of the rules of the show. That's the Patreon shout-out. If you want to follow along in the conversation, you can follow along in the live chat. Leave your thoughts below your comments. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, and Instagram, obviously. Always tweet at me. Share your thoughts. It's my favorite thing to do is to interact with you guys. Drew, where can the folks find you? Yeah, I like Twitter more and more. Yeah, I've started to like it a lot more. Well, it's sweet when, right? The more Don't fo- say it. Don't say it. I was going to say Once it. people care, yeah. the more traction, the more <laughs> yeah, followers yeah, yeah. No, you get, the better I, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just like, you're, I also, I'm like following more people I find more interesting. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you can find me at Andrew Guy. There's also Team Action Show, which is the one for this show. What? What do you want to say to me? You think you're better than me with your blue check mark? And your thousands of followers more than me? You think that's cool? You know what? We're going to hop right into the trailer. <laughs> um... We just make sure that we're not missing anything else here. <laughs> Guys, we're going to hop into the trailer. Actually, wait. You know what? Coming up today on the show. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> There's a thing here on the outline that says tease segments, Andrew. <laughs> You wrote the outline. I wrote it. <laughs> I've written all of them. Uh, yes, guys, coming up today on the show, we are going to be talking about our top three favorite John Travolta roles. We are going to be doing an extended version of Star Profiles because we want to talk about more of the characters and the actors that are in this movie. Uh, AMA questions, though I didn't see any that really... Like, I feel like we're going to answer most of them throughout the context of yeah, the show. Yeah, I put one in here, but um, it's like a very broad one yeah. from Ryan. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, that's going to do that. Let's watch the trailer for the show. <laughs> I do believe Marcellus, my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. I love you so much, I've forgotten that he has that moment in the bathroom where he has to like talk Night himself in. Yeah. Like, you may feel like while she's day. dying. Pride only hurts. It never helps. I can't really hear myself in my headphones either. Are you uh, number one? Does it say on the mic right here? Three. We're in a lot of danger, aren't we? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Terrific. Sorry, did I break your concentration? Get down, get down. Oh, what a weird trailer. You got a corpse in a car. Mine At least it's like more interesting than a lot of the trailers at this time. Yeah. It shows a lot. It does. But you would have so such a hard time understanding what the hell was going yeah. on. There's like no context for anything. Uncomfortable silences. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson. That shot right there. Yeah. That's the one. It's like he shot. Amanda Plummer, Maria de Medeiros, Bing Rings, Eric Stoltz, <laughs> Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walker. You forget that. I Bruce forget it's Eric Stoltz. Yeah. yeah. Eat my friend, Luca. Die, you mother! <laughs> A new film uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Talk about an exciting movie. Like, oh, 
fiction. There's not that many movies you can talk about that basically I'm just gonna walk there. What you mean walk? That just changed cinema forever. Like it's it's a rare movie, like in terms of the way that it affects the generation, the way that it affects the the landscape of cinema. Yeah. Pulp fiction is I think the reason it's so high on that list is is for that reason. Yeah, I mean I and that's why that's why I don't think I'm actually going to stick with what I was saying. Your initial thesis? Yeah, because my initial thesis was that, well, guys, this is thesis statement. We're going to hop into that. It's <laughs> your big, bold thought about the show. If you were at a party, a Pulp Fiction party, and you only got to say one thing all night, well, first of all, the party kind of sucks Yeah, if you can only say one thing. But this would be the one thing that you would say about the film. And I was going to say that it's Quentin Tarantino's most overrated film. Yeah. It's really hard to say that when it has so much critical acclaim and it, it's been mocked, mimicked, spoofed so many times. The, you know, Mia Wallace, you know, as you're yeah, going to yeah. say, comes up so often. Like, it's really hard to say that. And it's it's a really good movie. It's not the number eighth movie of all time. But what is? But what is, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what I think it is, is for me, I have the hardest time really holding on to this movie through the entirety of it. Yep. It's a little long. Not not long in the sense of, like, you're like, God, will this end? But it's a little long for it to not have just, like, a main protagonist and, like, a bad guy, I it's think. It's two and a half hours long. It's a very long movie. And you kind of, it's almost like two and a half hours of Seinfeld, right? Where it's, like, a bunch of different yeah. stories that kind of don't really matter, but then they all kind of come together, but they don't really have to. Right. I, for me, it's got to be his hardest film to latch and stay onto, and I know that's like a kind of a weird statement. Yeah, but I don't have that with any of the other ones. Even like Kill Bill Two, which isn't even half as interesting, or some people think is more interesting. Yeah, than than Kill Bill One. But even that one, that's like a little less action driven. Inglorious Bastards, Django, all these movies, I have such an easier time like sitting down at the beginning, following what's going on, and it ending. Whereas with Pulp Fiction, I think I've seen the beginning of it, the first yeah. half maybe like fifty times. Yeah, I think I've seen the last half of it maybe like. Five. I mean, I feel the exact same way. I think I think I've seen literally through the scene that Christopher Walken comes into the screen. It's always that. It feels like a break in the movie. Yeah, right. It's, I think it's because they set up the world, these wonderful characters, this dialogue. Like obviously, the opening sequence is great, and then you have the stuff with with Jules and Vincent. Which the reason they feel like they drive the movie and that like they're the characters mm-hmm. is because. It's so like it's so appealing and so cool, and the dialogue's so good. It's so it's tight, it's so, so fr- well written, yeah, and fresh, yes. And it just feels so real. And then for it to transition from that to the Mia Wallace date, which becomes the most iconic sequence of the movie for so many reasons, which is so crazy because it's like the opening sequence, even the opening sequence in the diner, yeah, and then the opening sequence in the apartment, and you get a little bit of Butch in there. You you meet him quickly, but it's by the time that the adrenaline needle scene wraps. And you hear the Fox Force 5 joke that it's an hour four into the movie. And that's when it breaks to the the walk-in story. And I found myself this time watching it and, like, it does feel like a break. It feels like the movie shifts right there. Yeah. It feels like it's like you're watching the second half of a different movie. Yeah, exactly. And and I I don't think it is uh, negative on the film. It's just definitely I think what you're saying is, is true, which is that I think a lot of people when they watch this movie kind of feel that way. And two and a half hours is a long movie. So... Yeah, I mean that's just, that's yeah. just the truth. Yeah, two and, two and a half hours. hours is a very long movie, and, and yeah, like I said, it's it 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 does feel like it's a break, and then the, the end of a different film that's like in the same world. Yeah, you know? I'm gonna say that uh, for my thesis statement, Mia Wallace is the most iconic Halloween costume <laughs> to come out of a film in our lifetime. Um, I should say female Halloween costume because like superheroes right right you can say Wonder Woman but like really people weren't dressing up as Wonder Woman until like a year or two ago Mia Wallace has been a Halloween costume every single Halloween every year of my entire life like even the most goody two shoes girl will, will wear a cocaine riddled blood-stained shirt with the blood spot yeah. maybe even you might even you get, might the get the needle yeah. and, and yeah. always like the, the makeup running down the Mia Wallace wig it's just like the staple Halloween costume no matter what and I think every now, single year you'll see at least like 10 of them Instagram generation has made it like yeah just the like it is outrageous I mean like hashtag Mia Wallace I guarantee there's just thousands upon thousands yeah you could i mean yeah marissa if you want to look up hashtag mia wallace on instagram and, and put that up on the screen i i'd be shocked if you didn't get just like thousands and thousands of pictures so um it's kind of a strange thesis but i thought about it as i was watching it and i really yeah maybe you can't do it because you just gotta log in or whatever um but but yeah just thinking about like how funny that is that this is a movie from 1994 most of the people that are dressing up as mia wallace i feel like almost don't even know who mia wallace is yeah, i bet you i bet you most of them haven't even seen the movie yeah or if they have it's like because of the Halloween costumes, yes. they know that it's iconic. 
that's probably i mean that kind of plays nicely into the next part of the conversation which is what we were saying that this movie changed cinema forever and i think it's because relevance significance is what is so important in art it's like what really makes something important like in the same way that we talked about watching oceans 11 feels cool makes you feel cool but Ocean's Eleven didn't like have iconic imagery that stuck with people. It just was good actors at a great time in movies, and it's a fun movie to watch. But there's not a lot about that movie that people like really stuck with. This movie has like a lot of things that that it has stuck with people, like something like Mia Wallace or the the style of dialogue, like yeah, the way like everything. Like my favorite lines are very very simple, and they're not really like some of the because there's some really deep intelligent things that Tar- oh, yeah. Tarantino always has that in his script but he also has just cool shit right like he just says cool shit and like that for me in this film that's what really stands out with me like even just in the beginning when he's like talking about it being in the same ballpark he's like it's not the same ballpark not even the same not field even not even the same sport, sport. Yeah, yeah not even the same league like you're like totally damn like that's something that people have said a million times but never quite like that yeah you know um and, and, and there, I mean, it's just a testament to Tarantino's writing. Like, he truly is one of the greatest writers that's ever lived. And whether it comes from building tension, yeah. which he does, I think, better than anyone. I think Tarantino builds tension better than anyone. Oh, man, the tension in the adrenaline <clears throat> scene is like... The tension in the adrenaline scene, but even in the very opening scene, or the second scene, you know, when they're walking through, and maybe it's because you know now... Because I know when I watched it originally as a kid, I didn't know they were going to go kill somebody. Yeah, right. Because like I didn't know who Tarantino was. Yeah, you do, and you don't. You're not totally sure they're hitmen yet. Like, yeah, but but when you get older, or you like learn Tarantino, and you know him as a director, you're like, okay, there's no way that these guys aren't going to do something intense right now. You know, and Glorious Bastard starts out that same way. Same way, and there's also the scene in the basement. But yeah, like, and, and and then I love that they get to the door, and he's like 7:22. He's like, not time yet. And then yeah. they go over, and they just keep talking the same conversation they were having. It's just so brilliantly written yeah there's i mean there's camera work in this movie too that that has always stuck with me i mean and like again guys there's just there's a lot to talk about so i think before we just harp on the, the every bit of the movie we should continue kind of going through the format here that's we'll what this show is right opportunities <laughs> to talk about different things uh let's get into fist pump moment because yeah. i think this is a good one okay and i think each of us we can sort of take the moment and then expound on that storyline yeah i'm very curious to see what yours is so fist pump moment is that moment when you're watching a movie something kind of happens and you almost you want to look around and just be like are you seeing this right now this yeah. is so 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 good i'm so excited i get to watch the rest of this movie right now and you know for me it's funny watching it now versus watching it as a kid. As a kid, I was so influenced by my older brother. He loved this movie. And right. my dad loved this movie. We had the soundtrack. We listened to the soundtrack when I was a kid probably 500 times. I know every word to every song on the soundtrack, like the back of my hand. Um, but this time through, it was very clear to me that the Travolta Mia Wallace storyline, and specifically the dancing, is that's the fist pump moment for me. It was just like... Because you realize as you get so much further away from Travolta's iconic status in the 70s, the fact that he was basically not in in movies in the 80s, that Tarantino resurrected him for this movie, and that she's like, I want to dance. And he's like, no, 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 no way. And she's like, you're going to show me a good time. I want to dance. I want to win. They get up there, and they start dancing, and it's so clear immediately. He's like, he's like such just, a good yeah, dancer. Yeah, his hips start moving, the foot starts shaking. You're like, oh, God. That's so <laughs> funny. That's my fist pump, too. Yeah, my fist yeah. pump's actually the moment when they get on the stage, and there's this silence when he's taking off his shoes, because you realize she's taking off her shoes, and like, you can hear the rustling, kind of the chatter of the people. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I know exactly what's coming next. They're literally just going to dance for like 30 seconds, and yeah. it's like the most simple like little jig. I love it. It was just, it made you, it, it makes me appreciate the iconic nature of really, truly great movie scenes in this way where you're like, this is a part of culture. This is, it's like, why? What is it about this scene that's so monumental that you and I both, in a, in a Tarantino pulp fiction, like yeah. greatest, one of the greatest movies of all time, why do we both care so much about this dancing scene? I, I don't know. I think it, it has style, it ha- it's sexy. They their chemistry is really really well built. Yeah. Um, there's something about the fact that they show him shooting up, which is a really hard to watch scene. Honestly, you don't. And they, they don't, do it to like they make it, he he does it to music and he makes it like almost he he makes it almost cool. Yeah. You know, right? like it, I mean, heroin is something that you don't see like the blood going in the syringe. I mean, it's like really yeah, it's very real. And, and they show you that, and so he's sort of out of it, and they start dancing, and you just kind of can feel that he's like super high. Yeah. Um, there's something and then about- she comes back from the restroom and she's super high. You know, yeah. it's right after the awkward pause. 
it's just I don't know what it was, but it just was one of those things where it made me remember that there are things that come out and 25 years ago, there's no way that you would watch this movie and go like in 25 years, people are going to be watching this scene and right. they're going to feel like it's one of the greatest scenes of all time. You would have just been like, this is an awesome movie in the same way that, you know, when we watch Arrival or we watch Drive or some other movie that feels really cool and unique. You're like, this is great. People will remember it. And you would also think that it's actually the scene right afterwards, right? Like, it's the it's the heart attack, like, yeah. drug overdose, adrenaline scene. That, that scene, scene is sad. And that scene too. is still absolutely incredible, as are a ton of this, it, which I was also going to say, maybe Christopher Walken is the greatest, like, one-scener ever. Oh, like, yeah. Between this and True Romance, you're just like, how is this? Yeah. How is this a real thing? But... Yeah, man, I I don't know what it is, and I, was, I watched it, like, three times yeah. in a row, because I'm just like, there's something so, it's like the whole $5 milkshake, and every, everything they have, There's it's just so brilliantly written and put together. It's like a dance, you don't really understand why, and but they it's also, so nice. And they set the tension up for their date, like, that's why the first hour of this movie feels so masterful. They set up the tension of their date, and he's like, I hear you're taking Mia out, and he's like, you know, what the fuck is everybody asking about, you know? And, like, the thing with Antoine Rakihara and the, and the foot massage. Yeah, and then he I asks love, her about it. I love her response, too. She's like, the only people that know why uh, Marcellus threw Tony out that window is Marcellus and Tony. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. She knows. She knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the things people are talking about. Uh, da 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 Vincent shoots Marvin in the face. <laughs> I love his... I love his... his uh, he's so, like... They're hitmen? Yeah. So he, he's like, oh, sh- I shot Marvin in the face, man. <laughs> yeah. He's not like, oh, like, my so God. Calm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I'm going to deal with this. That first shot to the dude on the couch oh, yeah. is gnarly. Yeah, like, just in the stomach. Yeah, right? just out of nowhere. Just kills him. I mean, yeah. like, he probably dies slowly, but it's just like, oh, shit, this movie just got really real. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. The moment when, yeah, Vincent shoots him in the face. Um, the headshot in the car, yeah. Mr. Wolf is my fist pump. Is that the dude that cleans everything up? Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's Harvey Cattell, yeah. Um, Speech by Jules, of course. Anytime Tim Roth says honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people have said when Willis decides to save Marcellus and yeah. he picks his weapon. It's a good fist pump. It's, a, to- it's sweet. And their and their relationship and everything is cool. Um, yeah, this movie has a lot going on. So I think uh, let's let's continue moving through. But it is interesting. You know, we're going to talk about Travolta and Uma Thurman, both their careers here in, in Star Profile. So it'll give us yeah. an opportunity to talk about them a little. But uh, so, you know, there, there are three... There were three Oscar nominations for this film in, in the acting department. I know. It almost feels wrong that I didn't put Samuel on here. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll add him. We'll yeah. add him. Um, and so, really, we'll talk about these four people. You know, John Travolta, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, Sam Jackson. And there's other stars, but they're the four that you're really following. So, Travolta is the most interesting because he had basically famously been a late 70s guy that had come out, you know, he had been in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, which was a TV show in the 70s. Uh, it was a pretty big deal, and he was kind of a big deal. He was this young, sexy guy, butt chin, the whole deal. And he gets Grease. The greatest butt chin. Or he, sorry, he gets Saturday Night Fever first. And it's this big movie, you know, this theme song. I Saturday Night Fever? Yeah, I changed the world. I changed the world. <laughs> okay, Robert Shapiro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a few years later, he does Grease, and he really becomes, like, it is the rare perfect storm when a guy who has sex appeal can also dance. Channing Tatum had that. Women yeah, absolutely they, lo- they lose it. They love it. They become you become this kind of icon. I don't know if you know this about me. It. I did a yeah, improv strip tease show yeah. for a while. And I, I've experienced the same thing that they did. There was this woman that worked at the theater. <laughs> His name was Chuck. Uh, and he had that in, in the late seventies, and it was a big deal. And he, as we know from the stories, he kind of bought into his own hype a little too much. Yeah, a little. I mean, that's that's probably the most delicate way yeah. of putting it, generous way. And his 80s are pretty bad. I mean, he's an urban cowboy right around the turn, right around the turn to the 80s, and then he doesn't really do much of anything in the 80s that anyone cares about. Yep. Um, and Look it was, who's talking. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's 91. <laughs> or oh. that's, that's 93. Oh, right, right, right. So his three films are, are Look Who's Talking 93, Shout 91, Eyes of an Angel 91. These are not movies Jesus. that anyone's really watched. You can just tell Look by the talking. names they're bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look Who's Talking is kind of, maybe he was making waves, maybe he's coming back, who knows, he had a good relationship, something, but uh, this movie is his big comeback, because the rest of his 90s, he becomes, 
this kind of smooth villain, you know, or, or, or like this, this fast talking guy. Cause you know, get shorty is a couple years after this, you know, and then he's, he's in broken arrow and he's like, his nineties are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, his nineties are sweet. Broken arrow face off. And then you there's, know. you know, phenomenon, Michael, phenomenon, Michael <laughs> yeah. city of angels. Uh, no, that's the, Which is one? that cage? Yeah. What that's is cage it? with Meg Ryan. There's one you're thinking. Of. Yeah. There, I can't think what it is, but, um, God, what is it? So, so that's Travolta. Um, now, Sam Jackson, on the other side of the coin, I'm yep. going to just... You want to pull him up? You're going to... Okay. You want to... Uh, we can talk... Uh, we'll just wait. Yeah, we'll I'll just pull, wait, I'll, because... I'll, I'll pull, pull that up. I have him right here. Um, so, Sam Jackson had been in Goodfellas in 1990. That's the thing <coughs> That's the thing that I can remember from memory, which is, you know, he's a small part, plays stacks. He doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, but uh, he wasn't really a somebody yet, and this is, you know, just a few years later. So, right before Pulp Fiction, his movies are... Let's see here. He does, God, so many movies. Good Lord. Oh, he does an insane amount of work. The ones I would say that, that matter the most, um, he's in this film called Fresh in 1994, where he plays the father, I believe. Uh, Loaded Weapon 1, he's in. And True Romance, and then Jurassic Park, Menace to Society, he's the dad, Amos and Andrew. So he was he was definitely in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. He was like working, but he wasn't yet somebody that people were like, oh, that guy's a great actor. Um, yeah, because he, he hadn't like... You see that transition moment for so many of these guys, and like, I just want to use Denzel as an example, just because he's also very similar in the type of swagger he brings to the screen. Yeah, even when he was young, he had it, but it was much more tuned. It was like kept in line. It yeah. was like uh, it was kind of like subtle there. Yeah. And then he hit his moment, like they both did. Yeah, you know, Sam Jackson and Pulp Fiction, where it was like. No, 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 no. This is, like, the guy I can be just yeah. forever. Right. And, like, I'm the best at it. Uh, yeah, right. Like, I'm gonna... This is the best version of... If I'm sort of exaggerating me, yeah. this is what it looks like. And, I mean, him as Jules... You know, there's an argument that for, for career-defining role, if we wanted to have that conversation, which I don't think we will, there's an argument that Jules is Sam Jackson's career-defining role. I mean, we could have it, like, really quickly off the cuff. I mean, what else would it be? Snakes on a plane? I mean, I think it's probably, like... It probably is this movie. I mean, he's like it has know, to be as Mister Glass. He's like get, has a, he has like a sequel coming out, and if, like I'm sure the sequel's going to be sweet. Like yeah. it looks good, so like that could be a big one. And then is it Mace Windu? Yeah, I mean Mace Windu is like <laughs> you know Star Wars movies are huge. I think you know fr- playing Frozone is a pretty is a pretty big one. Guys in the chat, let us know who, what you think his career defining role is. But yeah, I mean, I think this is the movie. Like we were saying, oh yeah, Nick Fury is probably Nick like, Fury now. Yeah, actually, now. I agree. That's yeah. 100 what it is. That is. But yep. there's the shot in the trailer when he's dis- he's delivering the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen speech. The turn. I think it's right when he's saying, "And I will strike down with great vengeance and furious anger." Is I think that's the line. I'm almost great sure. Vengeance and furious anger. Yeah, and it's, it's so it's this sick. Turn where you see him and you see his eyes. You see that shot in the trailer, and it gets, like, they show that little clip a lot when people talk about Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about the way it was captured. It's very iconic. It's very memorable. And, you know, this is the only Oscar nom he's ever gotten. I'm almost certain. I don't think I have to look that up. I, he, he's not he's not the kind of guy that gets nominated for Oscars, yeah. usually. Uh, this is before the world realized that he was going to do his shtick for a long time. And I think even he realized that he was going to do his shtick for a long time. I mean, when you watch this movie, it's like... You want him to do his shtick forever, right? Like, you just want that to be who he's going to be in films because you watch the opening and, like, no matter how many times we've seen that opening, no matter how many times it's been parodied, it doesn't lose its anything. It's umph. Like, even the biting of the burger, the drinking, he's like, can I have a sip to wash down that burger? Yeah. And he just... Tasty beverage, the whole thing, yeah. and you're just like, there's something even just about that. That oh, you're like, that's an I drink your milkshake. Moment. Yeah, it's like, it's like you're the bitch in this house now. This oh. is my fucking house. Well, also, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Is a great moment. That whole entire thing is just he just owns that scene. I, I have to say, so there's still moments in movies that you I watch and I get yeah. like a little uncomfortable. Yeah, because like. Even though I know everything that's going to happen. I know he shoots the guy on the couch first. I know that he gets through the speech. I know he blows him away. Like, I know all these things. But every time I watch a Tarantino scene like that, one of his tension-building scenes, I still get nervous. Even this one, which I've seen so many freaking times. Yeah. That's something I think is amazing. Don't you love it also just before they go in where he looks at Vince and he goes, okay, let's get into character. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because they're just bullshitting. Yeah. They're just bullshitting. And they're it's... just dudes that, like, talk about hamburgers in the car and, yeah. like, they're, you know, like, that's it. 
it there's, there's just they're literally just regular guys that happen to kill people for a living but to, in that scene they have to be like super super menacing yeah and i love the whole time i mean vincent's probably just high on heroin right yeah right. he's just chilling when he opens the case I, and instead of just like what what someone would do now or a worse writer and just like they bring out their guns and cock them real quick or yeah. put their silencer on yeah, it's just so much more effective. Oh, it's awesome! And yeah. I mean, there's so many moments, right? Look at the big brain on Brad. Yeah. You know, he's just great. So, like, I don't remember asking you a damn th- or a yeah. goddamn thing. You're like, does oh. he look like a bitch? You're like, ah, <laughs> amazing. One of the one of the great movie scenes. Just the first the first hour of this movie is so good. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk Willis for a second. So. Of the so, guys in the movie. He's the most famous, right? At he, the time? He's the biggest star when they make it. Yeah. He's coming off of, a, a, in 1994, he's coming off of two Die Hard movies. Some other bad movies in here, right? Like, Striking Distance is the year before. Death Becomes Her in 92. The player, he's just got a small role in in 92. I love little, Death Becomes You. Death her. Becomes I Her? I mean, Death Becomes Her, yeah. I've never watched it. You've watched it? Yeah, it's just oh. like yeah, one of those movies. Okay. You know, <laughs> ones that I've seen. But he was like, I mean, he was in Hudson Hawk around the same time. Like, he was definitely a guy that had, he he looked like he was sort of on his shit. But I don't think Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis really became the Bruce Willis, the like, I can top line any movie and I've been doing it for a long time until actually the latter half of the 90s. Like, I yeah. think the Sixth Sense era Bruce Willis is the biggest. I think Die Hard Mercury Bruce Willis. Rising. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> I love that movie. The, ja- um, the, the, wait, the Jackal. Is he in the Jackal? Oh, oh it's yeah. Richard Gere. Oh, that's Richard Gere. And Willis. Is he yeah. the cop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's a good guy. <laughs> he goes so back and forth between being good and bad. Um, yeah, and, and, and like, it's interesting that you think he's the, the least enjoyable character in the movie. I just like him the least. I think right. he's, he's kind of... He just fills a role. Yeah, well, okay, so he's... First of all, he's sort of annoying because he's, like, just driven by his, like, stupid pride. Right. And, like, that makes him... And like yeah, and he just he just doesn't he's not he's not that likable. Like that's kind of annoying. He's also like screaming at his girlfriend, like yeah, throwing TVs. Yeah. He seems kind of borderline abusive. It feels like definitely he he just he, seems like a bad dude. He's like a bad guy. Yeah, yeah he has like, no remorse about killing this other boxer. Yep, he just sucks. Like that's the thing is I don't watch him and feel like he's awesome. Also, I think it's really funny that he's um, a boxer. Yeah, he like his body is like, yeah yeah yeah. Well, it's also like you watch Creed one though. It's like he's, Pretty Ricky Collins' body compared to yeah. Michael B. Jordan's True. is like astronomically worse. And Pretty Ricky's a real fighter. And he's like a real, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a real fighter. So, <laughs> um, and then the last person we have, of course, is, is Uma Uma Thurman. Yeah, who this is really. I mean, this really is Uma Thurman's breakout. Yeah, I hadn't. I didn't actually know that this was her. She had done basically nothing before this. She'd done like TV shows, yeah. short movies, and then she'd done even Cowgirls Get the Blues in '93, yeah, no, no. Mad Dog and Gloria in '93, and also Jennifer Eight. So if you're Uma Thurman, you're like loving life right now. Even before Pulp Fiction, you're like, oh, holy yeah. shit, I got two two movies in the same year. I worked last year. Yeah, and then Quentin Tarantino calls you. You know, yeah, and I don't know if I they mean, were didn't friends go that way, beforehand. But, they yep. became very good friends, obviously, and then over the years, like you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened, and we've all seen like you know, last year or maybe it was this year when that whole story broke about Kill Bill and the yeah, car and all that. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy about it. But I mean, Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace is like she's on the cover of the movie. Yes, yeah. she's it's such an iconic character. You it, know what? Crazy to think she's had two. Of the most visually iconic female characters in the history of film, absolutely, and they're both written by Tarantino. The yellow, the yellow jumpsuit, and and her just look as Mia Wallace—they're both yep. like so <clears throat> referenced. It's really hard to to pick which one it would be. It feels like it's got to be Pulp, probably, but it's so it's tough, tough to say because like she literally carries Two all movies. of Kill Bill one and two, but she also has the most iconic scenes in in this movie, which is maybe the. I mean, definitely the biggest thing he's done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like when we talked about this, you know, when we talked about what this did for films, and a lot of you guys know this already, but we can sort of just go into it for a quick second because we're going to get into production development here. Um, well, before we do all that, I do want to give a quick shout out. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash team action. Yes. Drew and I do extra content there every week. We do uh, Skype phone calls with like some of the generals in the army. We do Schmodown behind the scenes reactions. A ton of fun stuff though. Patreon.com slash team action. Donate a buck, whatever you want. We um, need to still get that endgame re- trailer reaction in we're as just, soon as possible. Drew's been in Tokyo. Yeah, We've been I've, been, I've been all so, over the place. Those uh, of you that are listening or watching, know that. Just give us a little patience. We'll, we'll catch up soon. But um, 
We have one that we're releasing like today, right? Yeah, it's a, like a David Fincher, uh, the Social Network. Yeah, mini AMA on Social Network. So as you guys know, Ben and I love and adore that movie. So we'll get a quick AMA episode on that. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, talking about production development, you know, this is written by Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. Roger Avery, a uh, very famously good friend of Quentin Tarantino's. They had worked together for a long time. Uh, Lawrence Bender, listed as the producer on this film, another guy who was an early collaborator with... with um, Tarantino, there's there's many stories written about this era in film, their collaborations, how this stuff happened. Lawrence Bender, I think there was like some a lot of drama. I seem to remember reading about it at one point. And um, Roger Avery ended up doing another film called Killing Zoe uh, shortly thereafter that was kind of a, you know, like, a, like another crime sort of movie. But when we say this changed films, um, really, like why that is, is... is with Reservoir Dogs, he introduced this nonlinear storytelling style that he wanted to use. And with Pulp Fiction, he sort of just blended everything. He blended his <clears> ability <throat> to write perfect, immaculate dialogue, create these these really well-fleshed-out characters without really exposition at all. Yes. He doesn't use exposition at all. And I love that so much about him. Yeah, he, like, really, it's all in the dialogue. There's no voiceover. It's just people talking and things happening, and that's informing you what the movie's about. And on top of that... You have this like sort of nonlinear, super cool, very violent, lots of swearing, incredibly realistic crime feeling. And it influenced an entire generation of filmmakers. I mean, I have to think I have to think that Christopher Nolan took an enormous amount of inspiration from Tarantino's nonlinear storytelling. Oh, I hundred percent think Taylor Sheridan probably took a ton as well from his nonlinear storytelling and tension building. Yeah. You know, like he's he's very good at that. I mean, how could you not? And he's and he's admitted to being like one of the biggest copycats of all times, he, he steals everything, and and he's fine with admitting that. Yeah, because because as long as you do what he does and you steal the things that work and make it your own, it, it's just it works. And so and just to talk about Lawrence Bender just a little bit more, he's he's a guy that's that's been nominated thirty six times like in his movies for in producing, and yeah. he's won eight Oscars. And like he did Goodwill Hunting and Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And, you know, he's just kind of a, a heavy hitter in the business. Just to uh, to touch on him a little bit more. Um, Maybe I'm mixing up Lawrence Bender and Roger Avery then, because I always thought Lawrence Bender was the guy that he had worked with early, that he had had, like, real issues with, who had been, like, a bit of a drug addict. Yeah, that must be Avery. That must be Roger Avery, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you talk about this movie critically, which, uh, you know, we're going to get into critical and box office in a second, but since, you know, the writing and stuff is is behind this, you know, this is Tarantino. He wins, he wins for this, for winning, you know, best screenplay. For writing. For writing, and then... Sam Jackson gets his only nomination ever. Yep, and it doesn't really win anything. Or what? What else? It wins like one more, one more. No, that's the only award it wins. wins writing, yeah. Famously, yeah. it's. I mean, 1994, guys. A lot of you know this, but 1994 is this incredible stacked year at the Oscars. You know, Pulp, Pulp Fiction loses, and I would argue that Pulp Fiction is the third best movie that year. Right, right. Because Forrest Gump wins, yeah. and I think you can pretty clearly argue that Forrest Gump's a better movie. <sighs> I love Forrest. It's Gump. Like one of the all-time movies. I mean, you could say Pulp Fiction if you want, and then Shawshank Redemption is also that year, which is like astounding yeah Shawshank Redemption is the best movie I think Shawshank Redemption is the best movie so I think like maybe Pulp's the second or third best movie that year but you know Quiz Show is also that year and I want to say maybe Bullets Over Broadway is the fifth movie and then like all the acting nominations it gets with Travolta and Jackson and Thurman yeah it's, it's just and, and, and her getting it for such a short yeah. I mean she kills it yeah she's so good in that scene she's amazing oh yeah, yeah. I mean all of them it's, 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 it's amazing so this movie and just sort of what it did, it's like stylistically nothing like this had ever happened before. This this inspired a whole entire kind of generation of, of writers and bloggers and the idea that you could write and direct your own intense, cool crime movie. Like it really, truly, if you look at the next 10 years, all these movies, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag oh, yeah. and just like things to do in Denver when you're dead and Killing Zoe and like all these that just wanted to be Pulp Fiction. Yeah, there's so many like cool trying to be funny like wannabe crime thrillers that don't ever actually hit so that being said that's we're talking a lot about i mean obviously this is the movie we're supposed to be talking about but let's talk about travolta real quick let's talk about our favorite three roles from john travolta oh yeah see because because he kind of sucks dude yeah he's a he's not a good actor in most <laughs> he's like, things yeah he's like <laughs> and you grow up with him and like again i grew up with a family of four women and my mom was in love with john travolta and yeah. like thought he was so gorgeous and loved the way that he danced and it was like i had this idolization of him as this great man yeah like, probably the same way you looked at swayze i looked at travolta yeah and then 
as I got older, I was like, but he just kind of sucks. <laughs> the video of him in the, doing the junket interview for The Punisher, uh, talking about changing changing film and changing the world is pretty amazing. You're, you're just like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to do his top three roles. Each of us just pick our favorites. Yeah, and I actually, I just changed it to roles instead of movies because I have to throw in. I have to. Uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson. Him as Robert Shapiro. Yeah, he's is, great. He's great in that. He's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think that's probably the best acting he's ever done in his career. But then you tell me that he just sounds like that <laughs> at the press junket. Yeah. And he says the things that he says. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so that's just you. Uh, my number one is obviously going to be Ryder from the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. I knew it. I knew it. I was like. <laughs> Not because I think he's really that good. I just. Love that movie you just and love, love that movie. I think, by the way, you're a goddamn hero, Garber. You're a goddamn, you're, you're my goddamn hero, Garber. Uh, for the action guys, we're, we've been talking about various episode ideas and things to do. Um, I think we definitely need to do an episode on our, our most guilty pleasure underrated movies. Like yeah. literally, an episode talking about the movies that only we love. Like no one else loves that. Movie. No one else loves the Taking of Pelham. No two, one else loves the Weatherman. Like I love it. Oh yeah. I think there's a whole episode about this because like both of us have those movies that just Con Air is like one of my biggest ones. You're like it's a good movie. It's a you good film. Wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think that's a good. I think that's a good. Concept I'm way for us. down for that. Uh, my second one is gonna have to be Punisher. Yeah, Howard Saint. Howard Saint. Howard Saint. <laughs> yeah, I love the Punisher. He's so. Again, this is a good movie, Ben. <laughs> I, I know, I know. You, you got this look in your eye, like it's not. I love the Punisher. I think it's actually a good film, and him as the villain, he's pretty damn good. It's the beginning. Actually, it's not the beginning. It's kind of the beginning of his villain villains ship. Right? Uh, kinda. I mean, Broken Arrow is a lot earlier. Yeah. I think he it's a kind of is a villain in this, and so I think he... I think this, this is wait, where... You think he's a villain in this movie? I think this is what starts the idea that he's gonna be kind of that a bad... That he could be a bad, bad guy. Bad guy, bad boy, sort of. kill people. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think this starts it, and I think a lot of... He transitions in the late 90s fully into it, because um, yeah. he has that whole run there. Uh, but I will say, I think that my number two is gonna be Face Off. I love Face Off. He's so sweet, Sean Archer. Yeah, he's, he's he does so well. Both of them actually, and that's why probably why the movie's rated so high is they yeah. actually do both a very good job of oh, acting yeah. like each other and like evil and yeah, it's very impressive. My number one is Grease. Okay, I I was I almost going to go Grease. with that as my number one. Like I used to watch that movie so much as yeah. a kid, so much so that my mom was like, "You need to watch a different movie. You need to I have friends so sick of this. that are boys, and you need to watch a different film." <laughs> no, <adventure. laughs> no. <laughs> so some some eleven, uh, <laughs> some honorable mentions for us that uh, before before I reveal my final one uh, are going to be uh, we get to talk about from Paris with love. There's an honorable mention right there. The um, Wild Hogs, just because it's created such a great reference for us in the Schmodown. Hairspray. Basically, if anyone old does anything with another man, we just call them <laughs> Wild Hogs. Yep. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't pick Swordfish. I thought about Swordfish, but yeah. it's a bad movie, and he's yeah. not good in it. Um, Battlefield <laughs> Earth is an all-timer. That is truly, is it just the worst movie, like, ever made? Like, that was the thing for the longest state. It was, like, the worst movie ever made. I mean, people just like The liked, biggest flop. People liked to make fun of it a lot. Um, I'm going to go with kind of a surprise third one here. And it's going to be Primary Colors. Yeah. I've never even seen it. It's the one where he plays Bill Clinton. General's Daughter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Primary Colors. Get Shorty's another honorable mention. Uh, Primary Colors. I remember that movie opens and there's a voiceover and they're talking about... They're talking about... Um, Bill. They're talking about it's when you watch him with people, it's not what he does with his right hand, it's what he does with his left. And it shows him shaking someone's hand and then putting his hand on their shoulder while uh-huh. he's shaking their hand. And I always thought that was like such a cool line, and such a, probably it's a real thing from Clinton, but like, right. I always thought that was such a cool thing to focus on because you think about the difference between shaking someone's hand when you go and you kind of shake their hand and like really, yeah, right. It's yeah, such like, a oh, different so kind of special. Ah, oh, I feel like you're really connecting you to really me here. You really care. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I always I thought he did a great job in that movie. I always loved that movie. You know, I haven't seen it recently, so it could be worse than I think. But that was a role that really stuck with me for a long time. So. I'll go there. Um, Travolta has been in some sweet movies. I will, I will say. Everyone's just saying. Everyone's just saying. Wild Hogs. Yeah. <laughs> also, Pulp Fiction is arguably his best role. So. Yeah, yeah. Pulp Fiction we just left off the list because it seemed a little redundant. Um, let's hop into critical and box office. This is um, this is where it gets interesting. Mm. So, 
I love this. I mean, obviously it was made in 94, but it only cost $8 million to make by Miramax. Yeah. And, like, you look at it now, and the only reason it would cost astronomically more would be because of paying the actors. Yeah. But still, you could just make a movie like this for, like, $15 million with nobodies. Well, yeah, and people try, and, and they it, don't, and, and, and people won't give them the money for it. Yeah, exactly. And and we actually have a conversation about that on, on the Action Guys, about how hard it is to... And that'll be in the future, I think. Like, in a week or two, that episode will come out. But about how hard it is to just, like, make... In, Original IP that doesn't come from anything else. Yeah. Get the funding behind it and actually make money. It happens so rarely. So this movie did it. October 14th, 1994. It grossed $107 million domestic, an additional 106 worldwide for a grand total of $213 million. Um, and it made nine. It made its money back its opening weekend. It made $9.3 million. Now, yeah. do you think that's because of the star power? Because I don't think it's Tarantino's name yet. That sells two hundred million dollars worth of tickets. Definitely, Reservoir Dogs had been a big cult hit a few yeah. years prior. People really loved that movie, and I think there was some there was some hype behind the idea that that that's this amazing, cool, violent drama. You know, this director was doing another movie with all these actors that were interesting, and I think the trailer is pretty cool looking. Yeah, it, 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 and I think honestly, for mid to early nineties, it's the, yeah. it's it's a trailer that does more than enough. Yeah, it tries. It actually tries, and the songs are changing. And then, you know, I, I have a feeling Willis being involved was probably kind of a big deal. I think he was a pretty big box office draw at the time. I bet you there was a lot of people that saw Travolta and were like, oh, John's back. You know, like that type right. of thing. Well, because the generation that had been like 12 years old when Saturday Night Fever and Grease were out and they were teenagers yeah. are now 30 with like probably young families and they see an advertisement for Travolta looking kind of interesting and weird and they're hearing that this movie should be good and they're like, oh, you know, maybe we should see this movie. Who would that be like for us? Who, Who like kind of came out and then went away? Yeah, it would be Cage, right? Yeah, I think if Cage was in like a really cool like movie he like this, popped up all of a sudden all grizzled. Yeah, if we saw if we saw like a, you know, the new Taylor Sheridan movie or something like that from yeah. somebody who we like thought had some real credibility, Denis Villeneuve or someone, and like Cage was in it and he looked sweet and like we were hearing good things, we would probably be like, yeah, that, we should see that movie. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm super medium on Mandy, by the way. I still didn't watch it. I watched it and it was just like, I was so whatever about really? it. Really? I think it was way too overhyped. Yeah. I think I need to go back and check it out again. Anyway, 8.8 uh, 8 on IMDb, which I'm okay with an 8.8, 8, but yeah. what that means is an 8.8 .8 by millions of viewers over almost, I mean, 24 years means that it's number eight all time. So this is kind of what I was trying to allude to a second ago about this impact on film. And yeah. this is the this is the unfortunate dark side of that, which is like, <clears throat> there's something about the way that, like, young male movie fans like cool, violent crime stories. Yeah. There's just something about that. And it's a it's a very, like, traditional, kind of boring, played-out genre if you do it badly. It's just that this is the movie that created the template. So every single person in the last 20 years that, that rates a movie on IMDb who's, like, anywhere between like, 12 and 15 and 18 years old, before you even really realize what good films are, you can watch this movie at, like, 14 and yeah. just be like... This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And you can still do that. You can still go today as a 14-year-old and watch this. You can still do that with, like, Fight Club. You can still do that with these certain films that really stick with you. But it's way harder to go watch, like, A Beautiful Boy, a movie about, like, a father and his son's journey into sobriety and, like, great actors, like, beautiful direction, incredible. Right. So much harder to watch Fruitvale Station than it is to watch Pulp Fiction. Pulp yeah. Fiction is just palatable. It's got cool music. It's got hitmen. It's got violence it's got sex it's got like awesome dialogue it's even got like a happy ending yeah as it, weird as that is it just makes you feel cool for liking it yeah and so that's why it's kind of this created this monster which is that like it gets a rating like that it's it's really but on the other hand maybe it deserves it it's just we're it all jaded, i mean it does you know? I, it definitely does deserve it because like you know a movie like the town and drive come along and you're like holy shit someone did it again again yeah. right. they didn't do it they did it again because of Pulp Fiction. Because, like, Drive is just, like, Pulp Fiction but only one man's story. Yeah. It's cool and it's sexy and it's fun. The music's cool. There's It's super violent. And the things that people say is like, you, know, you, you, you lie to me again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you real bad. You're like, yeah. who really talks like that? But yeah. you're like, he does in this movie because yeah. he's awesome, you know? I mean, even, dude, Gross Point Blank, two years yeah. later, three Gross years Point's later, so good. is great. But it's, like, the same idea. What What's it really like to be a hitman? Yeah. And Even they just lean into the go romance. to their high school reunions. Yes. You know, like, yeah. right? It's like there are just so many movies that are just lifting. and it may, Or maybe it was that people were trying and this one succeeded to so then that genre became a thing people did. But it just, there are books written about Tarantino and the impact that his films have had 
on filmmaking on the whole. It's like yeah. just a thing. So that's why this movie gets the rating it does, in my opinion. If you guys disagree or you think that it deserves it, you know, leave, leave those thoughts in the chat. Let us know. Leave it in the comments below if you're watching this. And tweet at us if you're listening. So, yeah. Um, uh, 94% by all critics. 92 by top. 96 by the audience. Um, follows the formula. And honestly, any of those scores would be more than happy to be with. And of course, as we mentioned before, it won for best writing at the Oscars. What's your favorite line? There's so many good ones. So many good ones. I'm just gonna say mine real quick. Yeah, it's they're so simple, but it's disco and two shakes of a lamb's tail. You like her little like weird thing she says? Just the just the intro of Mia Wallace is yeah. that. It's the note, the say, like the writing, the cursive writing, and her yeah. voiceover, and then the disco, and it's just like because how do you make an entrance to someone that you've talked about the whole movie? Yeah, someone that someone's. A big dude has been thrown out a window over a yeah. foot massage. Yeah, like, right. What's all this hype and mystery behind yeah, her? Yeah. And then you meet her, and you're like, she better be fucking amazing. And just the writing of her entrance and and the look, as iconic as it yeah. is, like, there's just something about it that you're like, fuck. There are, that's the coolest way anyone could talk. There are ten lines in this movie, at least, that every one of them I could just like. <clears throat> I, watching it again, though, I just kept laughing. There's so many. It's almost like I want to give my favorite line from every character. Because just, I mean, even simple ones, like Zed's dead, baby. Just like yeah. shit that you just love to hear people say. It's just yeah. so cool. Um, I remember uh, I always loved Harvey Keitel's line, um, let's, not, let's not start sucking each other's dicks yet. That's, that's one of my favorite lines. I've said that. I've said that in life many times. It's like <laughs> one of my favorites. I always thought that was really, really funny. I also love incredibly like uncomfortably gross tarantino using the n-word oh, a lot yeah but i love the, i love when before that happens when when uh, jules is talking about his coffee you have to fucking tell me how good my coffee is <laughs> i buy i buy the gourmet stuff so i can taste it <laughs> i love that whole thing it's so good yeah 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 uh i love oh yeah i mentioned it earlier earlier uh ain't the same fucking ballpark ain't the same fucking league ain't even the same sport <laughs> you're like god it's I want to say that now. Yeah. Like, I want to say that. And then I love the other one. Um, oh, who told you? They. Yeah, they. So, oh, they talk a lot, don't they? They certainly do. It's just like <laughs> such a... It's just... Again, you talk about exposition and how you don't need it and how, like, you've already had it. They've already talked about yeah. it. He doesn't need to get into it. It was Jules, a hitman. It was a story from all... You know, everyone... It's just right. they. And that's enough. Yeah, I totally agree. I love when Eric Stoltz is like, don't don't come here. Prank caller. Prank caller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, what? Excuse me? Drugs? No, no, no. Are you calling from a cell phone? Yeah, so good. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything in here. There's just an endless number of, of good lines in this movie. Uh, you took both of Denuso's. Uh, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah. Um, I really like when Uma tells Bel- Belford, shout out, uh, when Uma telling him they're going to dance. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Marcellus Wallace. You're my, my husband. Your employer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The cigarette looking cool. I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Yeah, there's yeah. just everything. The walk-in speech someone wrote. And that's the thing is even though the speech is like, for me, it kind of takes me out of the movie. Yeah. It's still. The speech like, is amazing. It's incredible. It's the one that says badass motherfucker on it. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, like, this movie is responsible for just so much. There's so many things about it that that stick with you. And so I think, I think that's what a it, testament. Yeah, what people realize as writers is that you could write the coolest fucking line ever and not have it take away from the movie but add to it whereas like so many times people now try to write that line that you know or have that diego luna moment yeah right to like make something cooler than it is <laughs> i love that i've represented enough times you now just like I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing that you need to watch the movie <laughs> which i still haven't seen it's not good <laughs> uh let's get into the next bit of the show guys we're gonna talk about uh am a question ryan permission has the question what is your favorite scene and lines from the movie uh i think we've kind of yes, answered that yeah between fist bump and line i mean is your single favorite scene the same? It's the dance. It's the dance. I mean, it's it's got to just be the whole Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega interaction. Like, if we're going to talk favorite line and scene, that would cover every. Like, if I could only have that, and yeah. you even said the, the you want that movie so badly, and it's never been made. The Vincent Vega Mia Wallace movie. I had sort of forgotten that when they get back to her apartment and she's like drinks, that there was so much sexual tension at that point. Yeah, I had sort of forgotten that he goes in the bathroom and has to give himself a pep talk. Same. Um, because it's like it seems like there's no possible chance he would ever put himself in the position to even like fuck with it because oh, he's such a he, professional. Yeah, and, and the whole thing from Jules in the beginning. Yeah, but somehow he does, and they have such a good time. And like, uh, it's also I think a great one of the things I took away from that that I loved so much was like it's a bit of a reminder that you can go out and have like this amazing romantic 
experience with someone that doesn't necessarily end in dating or sex. Right. Like someone of the opposite sex, you can go have the most like tension filled, flirty, incredible, like, and not, I shouldn't even say the opposite sex. You can have a romantic moment with somebody that you're yeah. attracted to of the same sex, if that's what you're into. And it can be this incredible experience that doesn't have to, it just lives once. Right. It's like, and that's, what's so cool about the way that it ends Yeah, is that they, it's like they had an amazing first date. Like, that what will, a night that will never <laughs> consummate. In yes, anything. yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Cause the shot of her walking away all like. Like, the, the walk of shame, as we call it in this day. But it's like, yeah. she's a super fucked up, haggard, shoes aren't on, she's wobbling. You're like, yeah, and that's the end. Yeah. And, it, yeah, there's something really beautiful and poetic about that. It's like the overdose was the sex. Yeah, And now yes. they're both coming down from it. Yes, exactly. I, I just loved it. It just, it was, this time through, it just was like, wow, like, that's, I just had never remembered the level of chemistry that was there. I always just remembered it as a great scene. And, and it's cool. never between, they never have it together. There's no. never a moment of like, should we or shouldn't we? It's all by themselves. Right. The one moment is when she's like, what was that? You know, and she's like, I don't know what that was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, thanks, Ryan, so much for throwing your question up there. Remember, guys, as always, Action Army fan group and the Team Action or the Action Movie Anatomy fan page. Those are both on Facebook. Join both of them and throw your comments, questions up in there. We always try to pull our comments from there. Of course, you can also put them on Twitter at Team Action Show. Yeah, be sure to check out uh, next Friday, the 21st of December, um, the Spectacular, which is the it's like, it's like WrestleMania for the Schmodown. It's a gigantic oh, so event. Um, it's it's so exciting. I can't wait for it to air. I'm actually going to be uh, playing in a in a match there uh, against the Shire Wolves with uh, Who's the Boss, which is my Anarchy team. So go check that out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch, guys. I, I cannot wait to see it. Um, I'll be. <laughs> I won't be there, but you know, <laughs> I, I I like. I wanted to win the belt with you so badly, but I'm totally okay with you winning with Riley. I love Mark Riley. I think he's a great dude, and yeah, yeah. So... I really, yeah, I really want to... <laughs> Wait, were you saying that just because it's spectacular? We also have an episode coming out on, on the Action Guys. Yeah, yeah, we have an episode coming out next Friday on the Action Guys. It'll actually be the same day on the Collider Podcast Network yeah. um, as we have the show now that we do over there called the Action Guys. It's a little bit different than this show. Um, this show is so focused on one movie. Uh, that show, we kind of take ideas, and we talk about sort of whole concepts. So, mm-hmm. an episode that'll be coming out soon is the five action comedies you need to see before you die. Yes. We have a whole episode about uh, the the ranking the definitive ranking of every spider-man movie ever uh we have another one we're going to be doing about sort of almost like an oral history of movie trailers and the ones that we love the most we're not totally sure of the format yet but yeah and then i think the one that's airing next friday if we're going to try to do is going to be like an oral history of team action and the schmodown yeah and like sort of where it came from and and like how it started here and some of the most memorable matches and and just the fact that you got so crazy busy with this other job at the same time Anarchy started. Yeah. And so you actually haven't been around that much while Who's the Boss has been on our run. Well, it's crazy because we both kind of like hit these insane levels of like superstardom in the Schmodown, but completely separate of one another, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, right before the Anarchy stuff started, you had had this insane run where you beat Dan Merle and you beat Mark Riley uh, and you played Roca. Lost to Roca. But I mean, you, you played three of the greatest three players cha- of all three time. Three two-time champions. As your only singles matches you've ever played. Yeah, and then and then... And then I get booked on these gigs, and I kind of disappear. And then who's the boss? And your singles run, and both of them in general, like they just kind of like went like, who's the? I mean, you are everywhere on that Facebook fan group now. Yeah, right now it's it's a cool moment. It's so, crazy how it comes uh, and goes. I uh, I'm looking forward to to crushing the Shire Wolves and, and and getting these belts. You know, hey man, avenging our loss. I'll shine them for you. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn right you will. Ah, I hate it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So uh, that's going to wrap us up there. Uh, last thing to talk about here on the show is going to be there are three action movie categories. I think this one's a pretty easy answer. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, th- I thought so, too. And uh, it looked like a handful of people in here actually said it would be tough. Guys, if you want to throw those back up, if you believe it's totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate, or totally ridiculous, I think it's totally legit. Yeah. Right? I think there's no question. Totally legitimate. I, I, I don't even think we have to like really break them down. It no. just seems very clear to me. That it is a totally legitimate. You couldn't have that scene be as effective as it is if the movie felt ridiculous. Yeah, the totally. overdose scene would just be like, here we go. Yeah, you right. Know? Yeah, like, what's going to happen? Of course, you know. But it's like, no, she's not going to die. Yeah, <laughs> you thought. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, guys, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we just have one last thing left to do, and that's the pitch. <laughs> so, coming up Got it. next week this is our final episode oh, of 2018, right? Yeah, I think it is our final episode. We are of doing the year. a real show next week. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think uh, we're live. 
I think it's going to be a live, actual Thursday show. Uh, it's a very <laughs> special show for a very special Somebody. fan, friend, supporter, <laughs> everything we would call him. That's for Richard Eric Jarvie. It's a birthday gift for his generalship. Yes. We're going to be doing Revenge of the Sith. You are the chosen one. I'm going to be covering Revenge of the Sith next week. Uh, so first of all, Richard, we got to salute you, of course, our brother. Boom. And uh, I... Like, this movie is so ridiculously good and bad at the same time. It's just going to be us screaming the last ten minutes for the whole show. Yeah, I just, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this movie. I um, I remember when the trailer for episode six came out. I remember it's a really good trailer. It starts three. out three. Or, sorry, episode three. You're right. This guy doesn't um, know Star Wars. <laughs> I remember when the trailer came out for it, and it starts with... Um, it starts with uh, Alec Guinness with an Obi-Wan clip. Oh, it right. It shows the Lucasfilm thing. Yeah. For, you know, for thousands of generations, the Jedis are the signs of peace. And, and, and then uh, I can't remember how it goes, but I just mm-hmm. remember when it came out, I was super excited. Yeah. Even after being completely betrayed by the second one, we yeah. were all still so excited for the third. And honestly, it's kind of sweet. It's like a sweet movie. The final ten minutes is great. Yeah, the final ten minutes is excellent. Yeah. Padme. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this episode is going to be wonderful uh so guys that's what we're doing next week again make sure to follow us online on twitter at andrew guy at ben Bateman media uh is there anything else you want to do an early hayden christensen impression <laughs> you're tearing me apart padme padme i love you <laughs> not sure which one we're doing there uh, all right guys thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching we're back same time same place next week revenge of the sith bye, bye everybody From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.